0: Hello and welcome to a episode of the Tennis Fan List podcast. Uh, Long last, it's been nearly two months since we last recorded. Unfortunately, we just had quite a few things going on recently and and just haven't been able to pull the time together to to keep it up on a consistent basis. But um, we are hoping that we can bring it back as as just once a week uh, each Sunday Um, and, and hopefully we'll be able to be a bit more consistent with it. And And what a few weeks of tennis to to miss out on doing the podcast with probably the the biggest tennis story of of both our lifetimes with Emma Raducanu winning the US Open. We will talk about those US Open results at the end of today's pod because we just feel that even though it was quite a few weeks ago now, it's too big uh, just to to not comment on at all. But um, we will also be looking uh, at the week just gone uh, with it being a bit more current and and some other really good British success coming from that with with Liam Brody. Um, Marcus is joining me as always. Marcus, how have you been?
1: Yeah, very well, thank you. Great to be back. Luckily enough, we're able to take in some of that incredible tennis as a consumer, but not a, a podcaster. Um, so yeah, no, great to be back and really am over the moon for Liam Brody today.
0: Oh yeah, just because uh, we weren't able to record uh, didn't mean we weren't watching the tennis. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the U.S. Open uh, a few weeks ago. Probably one of the best Grand Slams I remember of my lifetime, uh, possibly the best. Um, but as I say, we're going to come to that a, a bit later, um, and, and we're going to start uh, this podcast uh, actually down at the the challenger level. Uh, Liam Brody. Uh, winning a challenger title for the first time of his career. This is after seven final losses uh, for Liam Brody. Um, winning it in Switzerland, um, beating uh, Swiss player Huesler, who is ranked 159. Brody is going to go up to a career high of 127. Um, and we, we just wanted to put this uh, at the front of the pod just because it's such a feel good story for Liam brody um you know we all have sort of heard of him as a 17 18 year old um tipped with this huge future as the next british star and and unfortunately for brody just never really materialized um did we never really see saw him push up from a a, a challenger level or, or anything like that and and fell down quite a lot he's he's been ranked way outside the, the top 200 I think a lot of the times in his career but this year he has been a really really successful and getting it back on on track and and finally uh, to get that first challenger title off on his eighth attempt um really really feel good feel good news uh Marcus what should your main reaction to this I know you were very pleased to see it
1: yeah, absolute elation. What a story. Um, well, over seven years since he's played his uh, first ever ATP Challenger Tour match, seven finals dating back to 2014. Got to his first Challenger final in November 2014. So, nearly seven years to the day. Um, really, really great to see. He's spoken about in, in the past, he's, he's had troubles with his mental health and just the, the very unsociable part of, of being a player at Challenger Tour level. So, to have the guts, the determination, um, the love for the sport and the desire to, to get over the line is a real credit to him. And uh, yeah, it really is a, an amazing story. Um, he's got to four of those eight ATP Challenger Tour finals in the last year. So I think that shows the progression, you know, half of um, yeah, half of those those finals all come in very recently. So it's definitely a player on the app at the age of 27. Um, I think the dream really going forward will be to try and break into the top 100. Obviously, just 27 places to go now. Um, easier said than done, but no, it's, it's really outstanding achievement. Um, I've, got, I've got a little list of, of all these finals that he did lose between, before beating uh, Huesla today. In 2014, sorry, the, the first one he lost to James Duckworth. A uh, current top 100 player. Then the next one, he lost to an even more high profile player in Alexander Bublik. Uh, then he lost to Stefan Kozlov, Blaz Rola, Cedric Marcel, Stebe, Benjamin Bonzi, and Andreas Seppi. So a few good players in there, a few, you know, some, some really tough uh, experiences, but he's taken it on the chin and, and, and really come back stronger, I think, particularly since um, coronavirus and, and the suspension of the game that we saw last year, I think you could say. So, yeah. I'm so, so happy for Liam Brody. God loves a trier, and um, boy, does he deserve it.
0: Yeah, really, really, really good to see. Um, And I think just, uh, I I know, obviously, considering where he was when he was quite young and sort of tipped to to be sort of England, uh, well, Britain's next star player, of course, at that point, thinking sort of nine years down the line. If we were sort of getting this adjudicated over a, a one challenger title, it would maybe sound a little bit disappointing. But um, a lot, as you say, God loves to try, and the fact that he, he's really stuck at it despite the problems that he's had, and 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 been very vocal about. He's always been vocal about uh, problems with the tour. Uh, I remember playing when he was playing futures tennis, being quite vocal about the the gap between the the money that you get on the main ATP tour and, and, and when in, in a lot of the futures tournaments, if you lose in the first round, you actually end up losing money playing that tournament with all the hotel costs, etc. And, uh, and, and, and just uh, quite a, a vocal character in the sport. And it's always good, good to see. And and, and at 27 years old, as you say, um, he's still got, he's still got years in the tank, you know, he's, he's, 27, you know, it's halfway through your career. Maybe it's probably a little bit over halfway, um, I suppose, probably going till sort of 34, 35, 36. Um, but you say top 100 looks like a very realistic dream now, a lot more realistic than we have seen in the past. I know me and you have quite often over the last few years, you know, we've always followed Brody and, and seen where he's going. And quite often one of us might throw in a, a sort of top whatever by, by this time, but it always seems a little bit uh, too good. Maybe not too good to be true, but, you know, it's very aspirational. Whereas now 127 in the world, I, I would fully expect him to, to make that top 100 if uh, he does keep playing that way. If we just run through uh, his week very quickly, um, beat Andre Kuznetsov in, in the first round, which actually is a very good win in itself. He returned to the Tour, I think, this year after quite a long time out um and uh yeah the straight sets were there. grenier of france um ramanathan of india a very tested challenger tour player um a match that you really wouldn't have been surprised to see ramanathan come through um Brody then won with six loves two love up against the young dominic stricker uh the the 19 year old uh before stricker retired obviously uh yeah. Had had some problems there, and then obviously being the home favourite in the final at West, like the seventh seed Brody was the the fifth seed himself. So uh, yeah, really, really good news uh, as we say for Liam Brody. Um, I will just sort of say to you now, Marcus. You know, we, we've seen such brilliant Challenger Tour uh, form from Brody. Now that he's finally got that title, and, and he was quite vocal on Twitter today uh, about what a relief. Uh, it, it has been um, after all of those final losses. Do you now think that now he's kind of got this monkey off his back? Um, do you think he becomes more of a sort of ATP Tour 250 qualifying player? You know, we, we might see him in a few more of those draws. Because I, 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 looking back down his um, his matches, you know, other than sort of the Grand Slam qualifying, um, the odd Masters qualifying... He, um and, and and of course uh, sort of eastbourne london he got wild cards but he he does play a lot of challenger tour tennis and i'm just thinking now if it's time for him just to to see if he can have a step up
1: um i'm not too worried about that to be honest i'd be happy to see him keep plugging away on on the challenger tour i think it has been a, a struggle even when he's got those wild cards you know he's had the good some good results here or there but his qualifying record i don't know it at all off the top of my head but i was would assume is. Is not great at um, at tour level, so I think if he can just keep plugging away at the, in the Challenger tour, get a few more titles to his name, that'll be the most um, r- realistic way right now. It feels for him to get into the top one hundred, and maybe by that point, you could see him even making some uh, some some main draws on on merit. Um, I think Benjamin Bonzi this year has has broken into the is is in the top fifty. Players this year in the, in the singles race uh, to the ATP Tour Finals, and he's hardly played a tour level match. Really, he's, he's, he's just been hoovering the, the Challenger Tour titles up. I think maybe there's something in that for for Brody. Um, yeah, I, I'm not expecting him to to make the transition. I think that's maybe a, a little too much too soon. Maybe in the future, but I think for now, just look on on building on and adding to to his Challenger titles.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong actually, but Benjamin Bonzi ranked 61st in the world in in the, the standard the normal rankings. Um and yeah, ri- ri- j- just set of, just plays challenger really. Um I was I was not aware of of that brilliant record uh that he's had. Well, I I was aware that he was having a good year, but I wasn't aware of how high he'd uh, risen. Uh 61, but uh, yeah, it does show that playing a lot of challenger tennis can get you very far, and perhaps Brody uh, has got a little way to go uh, before he can sort of start seeing if he can become a, a consistent uh, um, ATP Tour player. Um, right, so we'll move on to the two tournaments we had on the, the ATP Tour. This week, the first one being in Metz in France, uh, it was Hubert Urkash, uh, Wimbledon quarter-finalist, or no, semi-finalist, it was semi, yeah, of course it was semi, yeah, um, beat Roger Federer at Wimbledon, he won his fourth title um, in Metz, uh, this is, well, fourth title uh, of his career, uh, his first one in the, the French. City of Mets, uh, and his first title since uh, surprising the tennis world when he uh, won the Miami Masters earlier. This year he beat Pablo Cronio Busta 7-6, 6-3 in the final. Um, He was top seed of this tournament, I believe. Uh, I actually backed him to go out quite early in this tournament. I can't remember who too, but that was obviously a a silly pick. Looking back on it, um, that final against Cronio Busta, they were the, the top two Seeds uh Marcus um a word on uh Cash's week um you know he's had four matches uh well one of which it it was against Andy Murray actually and we'll we'll go on to talk about him a bit later on but uh four matches uh that you'd expect him to win um perhaps the Crenia Bista one obviously being the the tougher one but uh nice and routine and I think good to see from her Cash after perhaps uh a little slowdown in form in, in, in recent uh, recent months, uh, losing to, to Andres Seppi at the U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, pretty routine. Um, yeah, great to put that Seppi loss behind him. That was that was pretty gutting, and also has good um, uh, sort of implications on the uh, race to the ATP Tour Finals, where it's looking likely that we will see Ubere catch there for the first time, which of course would be a great experience for him. Um, and he'll be confident that he can, they can, can take some scalps um, against some some higher rated players uh, in Turin this year. Yeah, not too much to say on the rest of that. You know, he, he won the tournament without dropping a set. Um, Luca Pui, Andy Murray, Peter Goyovchik, and as you mentioned, Correno Buster. So yeah, a, a good week for for uh, Cashin Mets. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's I've got a couple of um, honourable mentions before Andy Murray. If you want me to just proceed with them. Um, obviously, as I as I mentioned, Hugo catch beating Peter Gojovchik, the, the German player who made a, a, what I think was the, the last 16 or maybe even a quarter final in the US Open, maybe the last 16. Um, he's uh, risen back into the top 100 as a result of his wins this week, back up to 87 from just outside. Uh, the most impressive win against Karen Hatchinov and the second honourable mention is Holger Rune, the 18-year-old. He's up to a, a new career high of 124 in the world. He's 73. Uh, year-to-date, and also maybe more notably is ninth in the the next-gen singles race. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can break into that final eight uh, in in the last uh, few weeks before before those events. His uh, headline win was against Lorenzo Sonego as well this week. So maybe a, another youngster to, to get excited about in Holger Rune really making some inroads on, on at main tour level.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but got a set off of uh, Djokovic at the US Open, Holger Rune.
1: Uh, you could be right. I'm not sure yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I think,
0: no, uh, I was, first or second round. Uh, won won the first set against Djokovic, and then it was quite plain sailing from there for Djokovic. But um, you know what an experience sport for Broon to uh go out um onto court at U.S. Open and, and get a set off Djokovic, and good to see him keeping up the, the fine form. And, and Andy Murray, uh, we we got to talk about um, of course, has been making his comeback um. During the time that we were out, uh, lost in an epic first-round match at the U.S. Open to Stefanos Tsitsipas, this for me uh, was one of the matches of the year. Out of all of the matches that I remember this year, uh, Tsitsipas uh, is in my top three matches of the year. With with those two against Nadal, one at the uh, Australian, one in Barcelona, and and then this one against Murray. Probably not a coincidence, very entertaining player to watch. There was Agro in this match as well, um, made for a brilliant viewing. Um, but Animo did very well in that match, uh, played a Challenger Tour event last week, would have perhaps been a, a little bit disappointed to, to lose to a Russian Roman Safiulin in the second round. But um, this week, coming back up to the ATP Tour um, and getting a three sets win over France's Ugo Umber. Um, that really took me by surprise. And Bear ranked 26th in the world. Murray, of course, uh, outside the top 100 because of his injuries and then backed it up with a quite routine, comfortable win, 6-3, 6-3 against Vasek Pospisil before losing to the eventual champion, Kasia. Really, really encouraging for Murray. And I think what's also really encouraging is it looks like we're going to see him playing for a third straight week in a row now, which um, I don't remember Murray doing that in, in a long time. Um, he is playing Kane Ishikori in the first round of San Diego, which uh, feels like a, a match from sort of 10 years ago that could have been a, a Grand Slam semi. Uh, both of them now having wild cards uh, at San Diego. Um, you know What a match that could be, uh, a real blast from the past. But yeah, Marcus, um, a word on... Andy Murray, in particular, that win against uh, Ugo and Bear, and actually, I would say, as impressively, um, getting through Vasek still after that match uh, as as looked really, really comfortably.
1: Yeah, really good to see. Um, I'd actually add him Bear to to go all the way to the final in my in my predictions in Mets. So yeah, Murray scuppered that one straight off the bat. He's up to 109 uh, in, in the rankings as of tomorrow. So. Um, yeah, baby steps for Murray. I, I'm not sure he cares too much about ranking, but I think from our point of view, it'd be good to see him back in the top 100. Maybe even not needing a wild card to get to get into some events. Um, and yeah, the regularity he does tend to like this indoor hard court swing. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how, how he gets on in the following weeks. But yeah, really good. And yeah, completely puts puts that loss to to Safiulin to the back of everyone's minds. Two excellent results. Yeah, a lot of positivity.
0: Yeah, and, and let's not forget, you know, Safiulin is 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 a great player in in his own right. Um, you know, gave Alexander Zverev problems uh, at, at the French Open earlier this year, so you know, we're not we're certainly not passing that uh, loss off as, as a big disappointment for Murray. Um, you know, it was, it was three tough sets, and and Safiulin got a, a, a good win there. And there was one other tournament this week over in nour Sultan. Uh, I believe it's the, hopefully they pre- Correct pronunciation uh, over in Kazakhstan. Um, We're not going to spend as long talking about this. Um, with no disrespect to the the tournament, uh, it you know it wasn't the most enticing of tournaments I've ever seen. Uh, the title went to Soon Moon Kwon of South Korea. Um, currently ranked 82nd that that win will, will get him up a little bit it's actually his first atp tour title and, and he's only 23 soon mooncorn which actually for me went a little bit under the radar i saw earlier that he was he was 23 and i was thinking he was a little bit older than that um and you know i i, I we don't consider 23 as, it's not considered as next gen or anything but it's certainly you know in your first sort of quarter to a third of your career um so you know Good to see some some good progress for for Quan with with the Davis Cup um, wins before he's on he's on a seven match unbeaten streak now he went through um, James Duckworth in the final who would had a, a brilliant week uh, most impressively beating Alexander Bublik the the second seed at his home tournament uh, in in the semi final uh, wins also against Lazo, Gere, Duzan Ljubić and, and Evgeny Donskoy. Um, very good week for, for Soon Woon Kwon, uh, down at 82 in the world to, to get his first title. Um, yeah, word on that.
1: Yeah, good to see you again. Obviously, a 23-year-old, but we've been monitoring the progress as he makes that graduation from the Challenger Tour onto the main tour. Quite satisfying to see him get his, get his first one under the belt. Um, up to 57 in, in the rankings as of tomorrow. But, yeah, it's not an amazing field, obviously. Bublik is, is the standout win. I was lucky enough to see Quan in action against Ilyra Vashka, uh, which he was victorious in at uh, Eastbourne this year. Um he was quite a good player to watch. Surprisingly, is you know, his serve was coming off quite well on those grass courts. But, yeah, one for the future, n- no high expectations, but you know he'll, he'll have his
0: eye on the top 50 by the end of the year. Yeah, providing he uh, is fit and, and ready to go. Um, my, my guess is he could well pull out with the match I think being scheduled for tomorrow Kazakhstan to America is, is quite a long journey but should be playing Dan Evans uh, in the first round of San Diego if he does play that match um, so you know I, I make Evans solid favourite for that especially considering if Quad is to play he's, he's got to get quite a long flight over from Kazakhstan to America in quite a short time so fully expect to see Dan Evans playing at a lucky loser in the San Diego first round. Um, That was that match, really, uh, as I say, beat James Duckworth in the final, had a very good week himself, beating uh, Ilyra Vashka, who's had a great year, and also John Millman in the the quarterfinal. Duckworth um, himself having quite a good second half to the year, won a challenger tournament last week in Istanbul um, and has picked up a few good wins over the summer. Uh, third round at Wimbledon is, is a good showing for... The Australian at uh, 65 in the world, um, you know, he's always sort of an, an ever-present player, is Duckworth. Um, always sort of ticking around and uh, and, and getting getting the odd win and, and, and a good run. So a, a good week for the Australian too. Uh, I think uh, next we're going to run through our predictions for the uh, next two tournaments, um, which hopefully uh, I will be able to uh, when we come back this time next week uh, shed much better light onto them with uh, sort of the, the limited uh, attention that I've actually paid to the tennis this week um, but with a pod coming next Sunday I will of course uh, be, be doing a lot more homework um, we will go through our predicted draws in the uh, standard format that we do. Uh, Just a a note, a congratulations to uh, Marcus. Uh, We have uh, a tournament between the two of us in terms of these predictions. Uh, We ran this one over last year and this year uh, because of the Covid pandemic um, and Marcus has now got enough points to uh, to have won won the two years, um, which uh, you know, long overdue uh, after me beating him almost every year, I, I've got to get that in there. Just just, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, it essentially has won two years, Marcus. Uh, so so well done from him. Um, my job now, uh, after winning the two tournaments this week, my job now is just to make the the scoreline a bit more respectable. Uh, I will start with San Diego. Uh, my draw San Diego it's the first time this tournament's been played uh, on the ATP ATP main tour it's come in because the Asian swing which uh, is normally played around this time of the year is pretty much I, I think it's all been cancelled I might be wrong on that but um, the tournament that was meant to be this week whether that was Beijing or, or Zuai or whatever um, that is uh, not on and, and this tournament's come in to accommodate San Diego over in uh, America. So I'll go through my, my first quarterfinals. Good lineup here, actually. I've got a uh, Andre Rublev to face uh, Lloyd Harris in the top quarterfinal. I've got Lloyd Harris to beat the, the six seed Diego Schwartzman in the second round. Uh, second final I've got Denis Shapovalov to face the Brit Dan Evans, uh, who I've got to come through a second round all British encounter against Cam Norrie. Um, Norrie had the has, has had the better year. Um, really, really good form on on the clay, and then transferring it onto the grass when he um got to the final of, of Queens. But I do think uh, Evans is is a man high on confidence now after that U.S. Open run that he had, and 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 he looked like he was really enjoying himself at the U.S. Open. I I backed down Evans to to do well and get to that quarterfinal, the third quarterfinal. Um, I've actually gone for Aslan Karatsev to face uh, Aljaz Elyasim that sort of being based on uh, her cash is in this little section and I, i'm not sure if, if her cash will play um there, there's no buys for the c uh well there are sorry for the top four seeds but not for her cash at fifth seed so um there's every chance he might pull out of that and and i i just so that's why really i've gone for, for kratz and i think uh even if Urkash does play, you might be a little bit fatigued. Uh, Karatsev, not the sort of player you want to be playing when you're feeling a bit tired. And as I say, got him to face so that. Orjel Ali has seen the uh, top of the next-gen rankings, uh, the Canadian third seed at this tournament. And then in the last quarterfinal, uh, a couple of surprises have gone for. I've uh, gone for Seb quarter, perhaps not so much of a surprise, but he's not seen it to get through. I got him to come for against Tommy Paul and Lorenzo Snego. And then I've actually got him to face Andy Murray. Uh, I'm backed Andy Murray to beat uh, Ken Ishikor in the first round and then the second seed, Caspar Rude in the second round. Rude, uh, much more of a clay court specialist for me. I, I reckon a, a confident Andy Murray gets the better of the Norwegian for me. So I'll hand over to Marcus.
1: Yeah, just quickly for. Uh... Make sure you've got no excuses on your homework next week. I'm pretty sure both these tournament, tournaments are on Amazon Prime. Um, and also there's a yeah, there's a women's uh, 500 as well on there. So Amazon Prime covering all bases next week on the tennis front. Uh, just to run through my San Diego quarterfinals, Andre Rublev versus Lloyd Harris, Denis Shapovalov, Versus Cameron Norrie, uh, got him to win that all-British second-round match. Uh, Shapovalov, not been on great form since Wimbledon. Taylor Fritz could be a, a difficult match for him early on. I've also gone for Karatsev versus Felix Orgy Ali Asim, although I did kind of talk myself out of going for a qualifier here. Karatsev not having a great second half of the year. And then I've got Sebastian Corder versus Kanishi who I think has had an, actually had a decent year, to be honest. Um, Hasn't entered that many tournaments as, as had to pull out a, f- a few times and has had some tricky draws. I think Nishikori could, could make a, a deep run before the end of the year. Um, yeah. Then just to go on to my winner, I've got uh Felix to beat Karatsev, Korda to uh, lose to Nishikori, and Nishikori to the semi, Felix to the final. Uh, then I got, I had Nori to beat Shapovalov and Rublev to beat Harris, Rublev to beat Cameron Nori. And then, purely because Felix seen doesn't win finals, any other logic, I probably would have had him to win the tournament. Um, I think he's lost seven or eight finals in straight sets now. I've got André Rublev to, to get back uh, to his bread and butter, the ATP 250, on and, André Rublev
0: to beat Felix in the final. Well, uh, Felix might have lost seven finals, but uh, so would Mr. Liam Brody. Uh, so maybe they could both end up uh, Ending those runs uh, in in the same weeks. But I, I must confess, I've gone to the same final and, and the same result with Rublev. Um, as you say, bread and butter for Rublev really uh, does well at these tournaments. Um, I've got him to beat Shapovalov in the semi. I have actually backed Shapovalov to get through. Um, and I have got Orge Aliasim to beat Seb Korda in the semi-final, although I've got Murray to get through Nishikori and Rude, I have gone with Corda to beat Murray uh, in the quarterfinal. I I'd, I'd wonder if Murray just has the lasting power uh, to, to get through that, and Corda, a player that uh, on in front of his home crowd, uh, I I just think his draw is quite nice as well in those first couple of rounds. I, I can't see him having any problems with Tommy Paul, um, and and then either Bazinashvili, so in the second round. I, I think he would be on the hard court. Um, Yeah, uh, but Corda Murray could be a a really enticing quarterfinal if that does come off. Um, I will go over to Marcus now uh, to start with his ones for I'm gonna forget. uh, Oh, that's it, Sofia, the the Bulgarian capital um, on the indoor courts. So we'll start with Marcus.
1: Yeah, interesting to see
0: uh, Grigor Dimitrov playing San Diego rather than
1: his his home tournament. Reigning champion Yannick Sinner, of course, top seed. I've got him to make his way to the quarterfinal to play Alejandro Davidovich Fikina. He's involved in an epic uh, second round match, I think it was in in Mets last week. I think ADF's always a player you can enjoy in the early rounds. Not sure how far he's going to be getting it, obviously is due maybe his, his first ATP Tour title at some point in the next year or so. But yeah, a, a great player to watch. That could be a, a decent match, ADF Sinner. Uh, then Alexander Bublik against Filip Krijinovic. Uh, Michele Mair versus Marcos Girón. And at the bottom of the draw, I've got the home wild card Adrian Andreev against Gael Monfils. Um, yeah, a, a little spanner in the works there. The world number 319 making the quarterfinal.
0: Well, sorry, so you, sorry, you've got Adrian Andreve to get to the quarterfinal. Interesting. Uh, not a player I know a lot about. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I, I know he's a challenger tour player, of course, getting a wild card, but uh, an interesting pick from you, um, sort of thing that does happen. Uh, I think similar-ish draws, um, in a sense, got Sinner against ADF in that top quarterfinal. I can't remember what you said for the... Second semi-final, but I've, I've got Bublik against Gere. I think he might have had Bublik-Krajinovic. Um, yes, yeah, so I've got Gere to beat uh, Krajinovic in the second round. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then third quarter-final, also got uh, Mikhail Imer to face Marcos Giron, uh, which I think is what you said. And then the last quarter-final, um, I've gone with uh, Mimir Ketchmanovic. Uh, not had the best year. Um, but I think got a, got a good win last week. can't remember who that was against, but I know uh, he got a good win last week. Quickly, uh, seeing that now myself, uh, I'll be uh, Vadasco, but took a set off uh, Alexander Bublitz and all that. I've got him to face uh, Gal Monfils. Um, Monfils are actually back to get to the Mets final this week. Uh, made the semi-final. And uh, I didn't think I'd be saying this uh, a couple of months ago, but I have actually got Gael Monfils to uh, get to the final of this as well. So I've him to get to the final of uh, tournaments in consecutive weeks. Um, I've got him to face Yannick Sinner in the final. I've got Sinner to retain his title. Uh, I've got Marcos Giron to get to the semi-final to face uh, Monfils. That's probably the the biggest sort of, uh, surprise in my draw is, is backing Marcos Giron to, to get to the semi, but I do quite like his quarter. I, I think if he can play the, the best of his game, which which is he's got a very good game actually, the American, um, if he can produce that, I, I think he should be okay getting to the semi final in, in uh, Sofia.
1: I've actually matched you up, yeah, gone for Giron to beat him there in that quarter final, make the semi. Monfils Sinner final, Sinner to win it. Uh, yeah, exactly the same. I think we might have the same finals and, and winners on, on both draws there. Uh, and I know you have Kujinovic to, to beat Bublik and, and make the semi-final, but yeah, Sinner to retain his title,
0: same as you. The difference there, I've got a uh, Bublik to beat Jerry. so I've got a uh, Bublik to get to the semi-final face Sinner, so that's the, the main difference between our draws right. Um, so now we've, we've reached that point, uh, that was sort of... This week's focus, like the, the normal standard of the Tennis Families podcast, but we do think it's important to, to look back on the US Open just very briefly uh, as we weren't able to produce. Any episodes during it um, and, and starting with the women's tournament, of course, where else could you start? um we're fully aware that we can't really say anything new on this um emma raducanu was the center of the the, the media focus for a, a long a long period uh, after that still is really um absolutely sensational um you know she's got sports personality of the year nailed on uh, in my opinion uh, to to could do that at Wimbledon you know to to get to the, I think it was the fourth round um and to be able to come out into the US Open ranked you know 100 and whatever she was ranked um and 150 I think it was um and and, and win a Grand Slam what on earth uh, it still sounds unreal to talk about uh, she she didn't even drop a set in the tournament beat um in the final, uh, Fernandez of Canada, um, uh, who had also had a fantastic tournament 19 year old, uh, she'd come through and beaten the likes of Kerber, um, probably Mugurusa, possibly, without with it in front of me. Um, these two are brilliant tournaments, and, and Emma Adekanu coming away with the title. Um, I mean, I think this has got to be the biggest british tennis story of 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 our lifetime really marcus would would you agree
1: yeah definitely at at 18 um one thing i hope that comes from it is people show a bit more interest and and respect in the qualifying draws um first ever qualifier to win a grand slam It's, it's a tournament that goes on three rounds before every grand slam sometimes it's televised sometimes it's not it should always be televised. Um, it's amazing to watch some of the more honest players at a level where the money round by round actually means so much more to the players. Um, so, yeah, obviously it's not going to be cropping up too often. Uh, the first time ever a qualifier wins a slam, you know, we, we are unlikely to ever see that again, but um, you know, the strength of the field should be, should be, um, given credit for this. I think um, Radakanu's hardest match by scoreline and like the amount of games lost. I think the only time maybe she had to win seven games to win a set was in qualifying. Um, so yeah, that, that's one of the takeaways, obviously that, you know, t- tough to say something original on this subject, apart from just, yeah, just how blown away we were by the tennis and, and, and by the history that we are watching unfold in front of our eyes. Um, so, yeah, qualifying tennis for Grand Slams is a great watch and, and hopefully this will, will start a trend that it is um, given a
0: little bit more of the limelight, which it deserves to have. Yeah, for sure. It's a great point you make, actually, Marcus. Um, and never write off the, the qualifiers. And quite often, you know, being able to play three matches before a Grand Slam... Yes, it might tire you out a little bit, but it also gets you in, it gets you on court, it gets you, your foot in uh, on, on the courts uh, earlier than the main draw players. And and I'm not saying that's why Radicani won the, the Grand Slam. She won it because she was by far the best player there. But, um, you know, I, I do think coming through those qualifying draws can really help. Very interesting, uh, in the last couple of days, she's actually split with her coach, uh, Andrew Richardson. Uh, she said... Uh, I feel at this stage in my career and playing the top players in the world, I realise that I need someone right now who has that WTA tour experience at the high levels, which means that I'm looking for someone who has been at that level and, and knows what it takes. So that that to me is very interesting that she's sort of had this quite immediate split with her coach uh, after winning that Grand Slam. Um, I, it possibly sounds like quite a sensible decision uh, to me like uh, uh, her coach has done a phenomenal job Andrew Richardson you know he, was, he only came in for the summer um, and, and to, to be able to pull off those achievements is, is brilliant and the fact that Rakaru is, is realizing even after winning this US Open that she is far from indestructible and she's still you know she still comes up against these top WTA Tour players she's still going to be. Uh, the underdog. She's not going to be sort of going in against Serena Williams or uh, Ash Barty, um, Iga I- 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 Swantek as the favourite in in matches. And and it's good to show her having sort of that that realization at this point of her career um, that that she isn't indestructible and she's still got a lot to do. if She wants to become a, a top player on the WTA tour even after winning a, a grand slam final. Sounds a Crazy to say, and then looking at the men's tour, uh, the, the men's tournament um, just very briefly, another brilliant story. Um, Novak Djokovic was not able to compete complete the calendar slam, which in some ways I think was a big shame. Um, it's one of the few times we would have a chance to see it get done, I think ever. Um, possibly the, the best chance we're going to see someone have uh, for a long time. Um, but it was uh, Daniel Medvedev uh, who came out on top, winning the final in straight sets. Djokovic actually had a not-brilliant tournament, uh, dropped a lot of sets along the way. I think he only actually won one match in straight sets through, through the whole tournament. Um, and, and Medvedev was absolutely quality, and he, he bullied Djokovic in that final, I think it's fair to say. He was way better than the world number one. And, and, and finally... Uh we saw sort of one of these. I know I know Medvedev's not next gen or anything uh, anymore, but we, we saw one of these younger players outside of the big three bossing uh one of those those top players, and and, and this time you know being probably the, the greatest tennis player ever lived. So really, really good to see from uh Daniel Medvedev. Um who came into the tournament as the second seed, um, I know we, we've we talked a little bit about sort of where he should be targeting himself. But um, before we come on to that, actually, you just have a word on on Medvedev, on But also, you know, was it a shame in in some ways not to be able to see Djokovic pull off this, this piece of history?
1: Um, you know, it's an interesting conundrum. It depends which way you look at it. Um, it was nice to see that moment that we've been waiting for, I think, for... For years upon years, I think when Alexander Zverev won the ATP Tour finals, I think maybe 2018 that was, I was pretty much thinking then the changing of the guard is happening next year. And then uh, the best part of of three years has passed. I think that's 11 slams. And it took that long. Obviously, you had Dominic Team last year at the US Open. Um, But it it took that long to really see... um, One of the big three players beaten in a Grand Slam final. And yeah, Medvedev absolutely deserved it. Can't take it away from him at all. Um, Djokovic was physically not what he usually is. And I think the five setter in the semi-final with Alexander Zverev had a lot to do with that. Um, But the way Medvedev breathed through the tournament and was able to have himself in, in such good physical condition by the time he made the final, Is a credit to him only dropping a set to to Bottich van der Zandschalp in in the whole tournament is a remarkable statistic. And uh, yeah, the first of many um, for me uh, was his third Grand Slam final. So it had been coming for a little while. His second US Open final, to which he lost the first in five sets to Nadal. So yeah, uh if I asked you a few years ago who's gonna win a Grand Slam first, Zverev, pass or Medvedev, I don't think we would have said Medvedev if you're if you're talking sort of 2018, 2019, but he's really come good and
0: uh, and he really deserves
1: it. I, I I can see him winning many, many more.
0: I I I'm not gonna claim that I, I said that he'd win titles before uh you know he's very and sits fast because because I haven't but uh I I definitely do remember saying uh a a few years ago that uh I I felt Medvedev was possibly the most promising young player coming up more based on the fact that he'd won so many titles on on the tour a bit a bit like his compatriot Rublev. he was very very good down at his 250 500 level and uh Sort of really worked his way out, up, uh, worked his way up without sort of just having a sort of flash in the pan run that sort of got his name uh, up there straight away, but but sort of not really being able to back it up. But um, yeah, I, th- I think we were t- we've been talking about targets. Um, I, th- I think we said something about sort of seven or eight slams he wants to aim for. Possibly, I, it's very early to say this. Um, you know, you look at the U.S. Open as as is his best chance at a Grand Slam at the moment. Of course, he's backed that up. Of course, going into Australia, he's got to be in the mix to win it, um, for sure. However, it's hard not to make Djokovic favourite going into that tournament with uh, the history that he's got, the Australian, with that final that they had against each other in January. Whereas, you know, we, we have seen Daniel Medvedev come very close to winning the U.S. Open final before in 2019 when he took Nadal to, to five sets, um, and, and really could have won in that final actually. So I'm, I, you know, I don't want to jump the, the gun too early uh, and, and start sort of saying changing in the guard, etc. Because Djokovic, you know, no one's no one denies Djokovic is going to win more Grand Slams. There's no way this is the end of Djokovic winning Grand Slams. You know, hopefully I don't swallow those words. Um but yeah I, I think um going forwards mebedev could definitely be looking at sort of seven, eight grand slams um at the moment, of course, that the hard courts being where you'd fancy him at Wimbledon, he's definitely got the game to 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 be a real threat at Wimbledon and the French obviously did this year it was um good progress from him. I think made the quarter final possibly of the French this year, got quite far, went out to sit the pass. Um but, yeah, I don't know if you had any sort of word on that, Marcus, where you sort of think uh, Medvedev needs to be aiming for now that he's finally got that the monkey off his back and, and he's got that first Grand Slam.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of a long-term prediction, I'm pretty much in line with you. You know, seven or eight in that ballpark is where, if I was to make an estimate now, that that's what I'd go for. I think 10's the dream, five's the minimum. Uh, you know, if he can get to five by before he's 30, maybe he'll think, you know, maybe maybe I've got half a chance of getting double figures, but yeah, we'll see. Talking hypotheticals, but yeah, go moving forward into Australia. Can he retain the ATP Tour Finals? I think you know this does blow it more wide open than it ever has been before, which which is great to see. Um, so yeah, to see Medvedev win the US Open increases my enthusiasm even more going into the end of year event, and of course looking looking ahead to the Australian Open.
0: Yeah, no, I I do think uh, with Djokovic hasn't won that tournament, the the ATP Tour Finals in quite a few years now. Um, hasn't had brilliant success there. With of course Medvedev, Sitsipas, Beriev being the, the last three winners, and I wonder now if it will make Djokovic more hungry to turn up at that end of year event and and to win it with him. Obviously losing at the Olympics, which we know was was a big big suffering for him. Uh, and and then of course the, the US Open with his dreams of the calendar slam uh, being taken away, but knowing no, that Djokovic, he's not gonna let him get him, get himself down. I, I think there's every chance that we could see him trying to do that again next year. Um, you know, he's definitely favorite going into the Australian. It's, you know, probably not favorite going into the French because obviously there's always, well, Nadal if he's fit, but uh, we, we saw what he did this year. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's all uh, conversations for future podcasts. Um, that's pretty much all for today. Um, as I say, apologies for uh, not sort of being around the, the last sort of four, five, six weeks, um, missing the, the brilliant tennis that's been going on, That the highs of Emma Raducanu winning her first Grand Slam. It really was uh, an amazing story um and and of course you know this week uh being able to talk about liam Brody finally winning that first challenger tournament really really good times for british tennis with with andy murray you know uh also being there you know he's still not gone away and and still doing well uh so lots to cheer about in tennis world at the moment marcus thank you very much for joining me
1: yeah really good fun good to be back in the swing of
0: it and uh, yeah, looking looking forward to the tennis that lies ahead this week. We'll see you next Sunday.